It's the Memorial Day sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Sean Del Grand. And we've got over 800 brand new Mazdas with outstanding incentives, like low monthly lease payments and low APR financing. Yep, it's just a great time to buy. So don't miss the Memorial Day sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. Financing on approval of credit. Here's Beauvillier down the left side, loses on the check there, but gets it back from Carlson. Stick uh -oh. handles to his right, there's trouble here. He whirls his way over to the right circle. Great wide toss to Pajot. Pajot lost his footing, gave it back to Beauvillier. Hangs onto it, throws it toward the net, save made there by Hill. Contact on the rebound, 2-1-1 developing for the Sharks. Carlson jumps up, he's got Meyer breaking for the net, gives him the puck, Meyer moving in, and he can't get the shot away, but in front, Eric Carlson scores! Carlson gets the game winner on the rebound. The Sharks win it over time, two to one. And Drew Remenda, you called it. Yeah, I think, it, you know, I have this talk with our players all the time and the teams think, you know, um, our identity, we use the word identity all the time, but we used to, the word grind. We got to grind teams down and grind things out. And uh, we don't have, uh, um, you know, we don't have uh, McDavid and Dreisaitl of the world on this team that can, you know, win games single-handedly. We have to do it as a team, and, um, and we have to do it a certain way. And I think, you know, managing the puck and, and managing leads and uh, being in tight games, we're, we're a lot more comfortable in those games, I think, than we have been in the past couple of years. And uh, um, I like our, our road mentality. I like our... Uh, you know, our perseverance, I think that we, uh, you know, we're finding ways to win, which is a, is a good sign for, um, you know, for the hockey team. All right. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the buildup. The San Jose Sharks coming off a very impressive overtime win over the Islanders last night. If we take a look at the standings right now, heading into this Friday afternoon game for us, of course, it's Friday night on the East Coast, but right now the San Jose Sharks doing pretty well, in my opinion. They are not world beaters, not yet, at least 13-9-1 on the year, fourth in the Pacific Division, 27 points to show, and securing a winning road trip by winning the first three games at Chicago, at Jersey, and at New York, taking down the Islanders. Tonight, it is the second night of a back-to-back -back taking on the Rangers, one of the best teams on this relatively young hockey season. They sit at 14-4-3, 31 points on the young season, but trailing Washington right now by three points. So the Sharks have a tough challenge in front of them. Taking a look at scores out of the NHL last night, the Senators, 3-2 win over the Hurricanes. Avalanche take it to Montreal, 4-1. The Lightning get a 4-2 win over the Blues. The Blackhawks take it to the Caps by a final of 4-3. Panthers all over Buffalo, 7-4. The Bruins shut out the Preds, 2-0. Wild, 5-2 winners over the Devils. The Stars, 3-2 win over the Blue Jackets. The Kings fall to the Flames by a final of 3-2. That's two losses in a row for them. The Sharks are preparing for tonight's matchup against the Rangers, which means I need to prepare you here on the buildup. For more on the Rangers and some thoughts on tonight's game, we are now joined by Arthur Staple of The Athletic. And Arthur, I will have to start with the hard-hitting journalism. When was the last time you heard an original pun with your last name? If I was out covering a Kings game, although I guess that's going to change soon, uh, that's, probably the, that's probably the time I get it the most, but uh, <laughs> not too often anymore. 
but nothing nothing original you've heard them all at this point <clears throat> yeah definitely yeah well you know i i will rack my brain for uh for when you come out to the bay area but i'm hard pressed right now but uh, obviously on the matter at hand with the rangers uh this team is pretty good right now like i i watched you know you look at the win over boston or you look at any of the recent performances and it's it's pretty darn impressive yeah they've uh you know <clears throat> they were putting up points <clears throat> excuse me, early in the season when they maybe weren't playing so well, really relying on Igor Shosturkin and net. And I think maybe the last nine or 10 games, um, it's been a little bit less Shosturkin and a little more everybody pulling the same way. And I think that's obviously what Gerard Gallant had in mind. Um, he's not apologizing for any of their wins anymore like he was earlier in the season. And and they've got, you know, they've got a lot of really talented, high-skilled guys and those guys are leading the way. And that's that's what you want to have when you're when you're going as well as they are. Did you expect it to be like this? I mean, I, I I thought there would be improvement from a year ago, but this is uh, this is beyond what I was personally expecting. You know, I think they're a little bit ahead of where most people thought they'd be. Um, you know, and obviously with some of the turmoil at the end of last season, you know, John Davidson and Jeff Gordon out, Chris Jury in, adding a lot of muscle and and a little bit more grit to their bottom six, bringing a new coach and Gerard Gallant. That's a lot of changes to try to assimilate right away and you don't usually see a team hit the ground running with all those new aspects the way that the Rangers have but I think the way that they've kind of built into this season in the last nine or ten games you've obviously got guys like uh, Adam Fox the reigning Norris Trophy winner mm-hmm. um, he's real good obviously Artemi Panarin has settled into a good groove he looks like he's in a, he's in a good place right now Chris Kreider 16 goals so far these are guys that are household names especially around here but not necessarily part of winning program the last few years. And I think they've embraced the idea that when they're up a goal or two goals, they don't have to make it three or four or five and and try to be too risky. They're starting to be a little bit more cohesive in terms of their 200 foot game. And I think some of those guys that they brought in, particularly Barkley Goodrow, Mm -hmm. uh, Ryan Reeves, who, you know, Ryan Reeves is a, is a known uh, enforcer type, but I think his attitude and Goodrow's attitude coming off of two Stanley cups, these are guys that, have helped provide a little backbone to this this roster that maybe was a little bit fragile the last couple of years and some of those high profile incidents like the Tom Wilson Panarin one where they didn't really see a team that stuck up for each other the way that you, you think that they would and I think the additions have have really solidified them uh, you know in some of their holes up front and their D looks a little bit stronger this year and obviously they've got Shesterkin playing at a high level so it all combines to be a really good record and a pretty good team right now. Yeah, and I want to bring up um, Ryan Reeves and some of the me- things you mentioned about the team's kind of mentality and cohesiveness because obviously Gerard Gallant knew him from Vegas, you know, and that I'm sure that played a, a part of that acquisition. But, you know, one of the things that I always noticed with Vegas under Gerard Gallant, and I think it's carried over, is just that how much of a, a glue guy he was as a coach and the way the team seemed to respond around that. I mean, just watching their bench last year in empty arenas up close and personal, seeing the way that Vegas all supported each other, you know, it reminded me of what they had before Gallant was fired and, you know, right off the bat, they were like that and that didn't wane at all. And I'm curious, you know, has that, is that the same mentality you've seen Gallant bring now to the Rangers? I think so. You know, I think he's obviously he, he gives off a real fiery vibe behind the bench, but I think behind the scenes, he's much more of a, you know, a, a guy who wants to get to know his players and, and encourage them and be positive and supportive. Um, you know, I think maybe the turning point for them this season was a stretch where they had a five day break after they got back from from Western Canada, where they had a couple of 
games where they blew two goal leads late. They got mm-hmm. beat badly in Calgary, came back and they beat Florida, which is obviously a, a pretty signature win. But Florida, had, I think, 96 shot attempts and Shesterkin looked like he was, uh, <laughs> you know, ready for uh, ready for a week long vacation after just that one game. So I think after that game, they had a long layoff, a lot of practice time, a lot of video time and a lot of time to talk. And I think uh, there were some guys that are some veterans maybe who who haven't been here a long time who, st- who stood up and spoke. And obviously Gallant stood up and spoke and said, mm-hmm. if we want to be a team that can justify this record that we have, we have to be better. And I think since that point, they really have. And I think a lot of the players that have been here a long time have given Gallant some credit for that. Not necessarily uh, trying to be too harsh or, or you know take a, take a more critical approach to what his team wants to do, just sort of gently reminding them of the habits they need to make second nature. And I think they're starting to get there. And before I forget the other points you were making, you talked about the team kind of expanding upon their 200 foot game and being more cohesive on the ice. And you wrote about that with, you know, talking about the Rangers kind of netting some, you know, boring wins. But to me, that's, if things are relatively smooth, I mean, that to me, that is indicative of they have a plan, they're enacting it, and it's free of drama, which might not always be the most exciting thing in the world. But to me, that's indicative of a of a good team, or at least a team that is clicking on all cylinders for the time being. Definitely, you know, they need to be able to have that that four line three D pair mentality, where not every shift is going to be a shift where you generate a good scoring chance or try to score a goal or take any risks. And they certainly have guys that can that are so skilled that they can take risks and and usually make them work. But I think in years past, since they've been kind of struggling the last four or five years. You have those risks, but you don't really have the the kind of, like I said, the spine of a team to, to recover. And uh, I think guys like Jacob Truba, who, who was the one who said that, you know, it was kind of a boring win. And I think he's a guy who's really stepped to the fore this year under Gerard Gallant, a guy who obviously it was a big trade that they made for him, a big contract that he got. Maybe the last couple of years, it didn't seem like he was worth the money, but uh, he's a guy who's really, I think, you know, taking the reins a little bit, especially on defense. You know, mm-hmm. you, you do have Adam Fox and Ryan Lindgren, and that's a, a pretty set top pair. But among their their other two pairs, Truba really has has kind of corralled some big minutes. Um, he's playing a little bit more on the penalty kill, being a little bit more aggressive, uh, especially in the offensive zone. And I think, uh, I think seeing a guy like that step forward has probably brought a lot of other guys up and said, this is a guy who plays with an edge, plays a, a smart, simple game, and that's – clearly winning hockey for this team right now. So I think that's going to drag some other guys along as well. Is this sustainable for 82 games or is it something that, you know, maybe not this pace, obviously, but are they laying a foundation that can keep them in the hunt over the course of 82 games? I think when you've got a goalie making the kind of saves that Igor Shesterkin is, you can do anything you want in this league. That's, that's always been the key. And uh, you know, whether he can keep it up. And I think the main issue for them is that, Alexander Georgiev, their backup has been, it's been a big drop off between the, uh, in the play between those two guys. And that may be a concern going forward that you, you may overburden Shesterkin and play him, you know, 60, 65 starts used to be nothing uh, for an NHL number one goalie. Now it's a little bit too much mm-hmm. when you want to get them geared up for a long playoff run. So they may have to address that in the future, but, um, and I think, you know, the, the luxury they have, for Chris Jury is that they do have a lot of cap space, which is in short supply around the league right now. And I think you're going to see some teams as we get closer to Christmas, start to drop out of it a little bit. Maybe you can start to think about picking up a, an extra veteran defenseman, maybe a top nine winger. They lost Sammy Blay to a torn ACL and, and they've kind of been patchworking it together to, to fill that spot. Um, 
So they've got some room to maneuver and they got some assets to move uh, if they want to make it a trade like that. Um, so it's interesting to, to kind of see where they are right now. Like I said, kind of ahead, maybe a little bit ahead of schedule. But I think you also get into a situation if it continues where you want to, if you're the GM, you want to reward these guys for mm -hmm. being ahead of schedule and being a team that you know looks like it's headed to the playoffs and maybe uh, you know shore up some some areas that you might not have thought you'd needed to address in the middle of the season. So they they have a lot of options and I think they're in a good spot. Now, even though the Islanders have had the more recent success in getting to the final four teams in the last two years in the you know different playoff configurations, we all know that. You know the Rangers are the Rangers, so I, you know how how much heat was there from the fans and the media with the discord going on last year, then the hiring of Gerard Gallant in the middle of June, and then juxtaposed with what has been a fairly you know smooth start to the season. Is that has that quieted things, or is there still a lot of talk, a lot of doubt? Where is the you know just kind of that that reaction, the temperature of of everyone's reaction to the team right now? I think people are loving it. You know, it, when they kind of sent out that, that that letter that became so famous about four years ago towards the trade deadline, you know, after the the run that they had, you know, the five or six year run of, mm -hmm. of making a Stanley Cup final, a couple of conference finals, being one of the more successful teams in the East without winning a Stanley Cup. When they decided to, to tear it down and, and go through a rebuild, um, you know, I think the fans had some patience, but but that obviously wears thin after a few years. And and last year, certainly, I think they felt like they should have been further along. Clearly, the owner felt that way with with all the changes that they made. So I think this was a big year regardless. It wasn't going to be any a one to ease in for Drury and Gallant. Um, they obviously have enough skill to be a playoff team. And and uh, and the way that they kind of reconfigured the other parts of their roster, I think they felt like they could certainly compete. It's obviously a difficult division. I don't think anybody would have envisioned what's been going on with the Islanders to kind of knock them essentially out of contention already. Um, and Philly too was a team I think a lot of people thought would bounce back and they're struggling a little bit. So yeah, maybe there was a little bit of a, a void to, to fill there, but I think even if everybody were, were going as good as you thought they were, the Rangers, you know, can feel like they're right there and, uh, and they're competing with the big boys. If they, you know, they catch up in their games at hand right now in the caps with a couple of wins, they'll be in first place in the division that I think a lot of people consider to be the toughest in the league. So I don't think that any of the fans are, are feeling like it's it's nerve wracking or disappointing or can they keep it up? It's it's a, been a fun ride so far. And I think they have the kind of guys on this roster, especially ones that have been here a long time. Guys like Kreider, guys like Zibanejad, who I think are the only two guys left in the last playoff team. Wow. They've had a lot of losing to deal with these last few years. So I think there's a, there's a big motivation to keep this going and, and try to turn this around, because when the Rangers are a good team, I think. Uh, I think it it keeps their large fan base pretty happy, and I think yeah. it's, it makes a lot of other people sit up and take notice. It's interesting that this matchup tonight presents two teams that are ahead of schedule. The Sharks never committed to the rebuild, quote-unquote, the same way that the Rangers did. Doug Wilson uh, dubbed it a reset, um, and we can have that argument of semantics uh, another <laughs> time, I suppose. But, you know, it is an interesting matchup. It's two teams that are ahead of expectations and are have progressed faster than what the timeline that other people gave them. I mean, how do you look at this game? It's interesting. You know, I watched the, the Sharks and the Islanders last night and, and it's, you know, being out here on the East coast, even covering the NHL. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people looking down at their Sharks roster saying, I don't know if I know too many of these guys. And it's, <laughs> it's impressive to see a team like that. And, you know, Bob Bugner's uh, a real good motivating coach. And, and I think that's, uh, 
that's helped make a difference with a roster that looks quite a bit different than I think a lot of people thought a Sharks roster would look given some of their, their veterans and guys that have been around the league a long time. Um, and they, they seem to play a really consistent style. You know, it's, it's, uh, I've covered the Islanders for a long time before switching over to the Rangers recently and the Islanders kind of, you know, they were two similar teams last night. The Islanders obviously Mm -hmm. still kind of struggling to get back on their feet, but when you see a Sharks team that blocks a ton of shots, that has the kind of speed to get out in the counterattack and, and in a transition game. Um, you know, that's kind of the ideal East Coast hockey for, for me, the way that the Islanders under Barry Trotz have established it. And I don't think the Rangers play that kind of style. They're a little bit more explosive. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think when they when they get a lead, which they've been able to do a lot lately, they they can pack it in a little bit and kind of they're not trying to just sort of stand aside and let their goalie save the day. Um so it's uh, it, it it will be interesting. I'm curious to see how the Sharks can handle what the Rangers have to offer, especially on their power play. Um, you know, the Rangers' top power play unit has been really good. They have a lot of a lot of firepower on it. A lot of the ability to move the puck east west really well, um, and just the the vibe with the Rangers right now. If they get a goal or two, they feel like they can win any game. So whether it's trading chances or trying to extend a lead or or trying to you know just trying to make it boring and sit on it, they have a lot of ways to beat. <laughs> beat teams right now so uh, it should be a fun matchup I know with San Jose coming off the back-to-back and the Rangers being rested uh, might have an impact as the game goes along so I'm, I'm sure for San Jose you want to get out on top early and try to make it as competitive as possible before before the legs start to give out a little bit towards the end yeah I was going to say beyond the power play what else were you, will you be looking for what should Sharks fans who haven't seen the Rangers as much be looking for that's indicative of whether or not the Rangers are, are playing the game they want to play or the game they don't want to play you know, I think for the Rangers, it's it's a lot of they really generated a ton in the offensive zone. Um, you know, the teams, other teams setups don't seem to really affect them too much. I think the Bruins game last week was kind of the the, the real pinnacle of that. They had a kind of mm-hmm. a slow start the day after Thanksgiving. But the second and third periods, the Rangers were getting between the hash marks. They were they were jamming for rebounds. They scored a couple of good rebound goals. You know, Artemi Panarin cut into the, the front to that kind of midair tip to score the winner. Uh, it's a team that I think could be pushed out to the perimeter uh, in past years. And I think Gallant really has them thinking, you know, get to the net, get to the net. And obviously the, you know, the sharks have, have some guys that can, that can battle in front of the net. But, uh, but when you've got players like Kreider who are going as well as they're going, and they've got some, some guys like Dryden hunt, who's, you know, playing in a top six role, who's been around the league a little bit and not really known for his scoring. He's having a good run. Alexi Lafreniere who's the number one pick, uh, a couple of years ago, hasn't quite gotten off to the great start, but he's playing more of kind of a third line physical role. Uh, they've got Julian Gauthier playing well right now. These are a lot of no-name guys that are filling in some some roles for the Rangers outside of their top guys. And that, I think if they can get rolling and kind of get moving into the offensive zone, then, then the Sharks are going to have some trouble. It's wild, man. You go back to what these two teams meeting half a decade would have potentially presented as, or a little bit before that, you know, all these big names, people getting excited. Once again, people are getting excited, just not quite as many big names as we saw previously. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun to see when the, when the teams that have had good runs for a lot of years and, and maybe, uh, you know, kind of re retool, reset, rebuild, whatever you want to call it, uh, with some familiar names, but a lot of new names too. It's, uh, it keeps a good rivalry going. Arthur, man, love your work. Really appreciate your time, and I hope I can bug you again soon. All right, man? Thanks, Ted. I appreciate it. Again, that was Arthur Staple of The Athletic joining us here on the Build Up here on the Sharks Audio Network.
We are out of time, but remember this podcast is available for download anytime on the Sharks and SAP Center app powered by Western Digital, and you can also download it as part of the Sharks Game Day podcast or Sharks Hockey Digest on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. So many, many versions available to you, many ways to get it, and we like to keep you uh, full of content here on the Sharks Audio Network. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Sharks Audio Net. All right, pregame coverage starts at 3.30 for tonight's coverage between the Sharks at the Rangers. Game broadcast starts at 4 with Dan Rusinowski. For the San Jose Sharks, I'm Ted Ramey signing off.